Welcome to Miss Your Size and Apps. I'm Kevin Weir. I'm Aaron Weir, and this is a teen drama fan cast. Yes, and we are talking about the OC, and Aaron, Aaron, we have found it. We have found the moment where people go, ah, oh, season four has gotten weird. <laughs> Yeah, this is definitely a different TV show than it was last season. Maybe you got some hints of that last episode when Ryan started making jokes. But uh, but I mean, last ep- Ryan had made jokes throughout the series. Last episode just felt like a... A tonal shift. A tonal shift. There was some wackiness, some hijinks. Yeah, this this feels... I mean, it, I don't know. I... It's not even that, like, it, the tone is different. They just decide to do something that makes n- no sense. <laughs> no Yeah, I was going to be, like, very little sense, but no, se- no sense. I, I have, I have, and I, we don't want to spoil it. We want to bring it up when it happens. But my question is, who needed the lessons this episode taught us? Yeah, there, there's a lot of stuff. It's weird that it's episode seven of this season. It feels way too late in the season. Um, it, it, it actually... I, I believe retroactively ruins a lot of an earlier season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it um remember early in the season I was like, I don't understand. It feels like we took like seventeen steps back in Ryan's character progression. And then we like caught up to where we're supposed to be. Yeah. No, we're back those seventeen steps again. It feels like this episode in all ways could simply be removed from the series and I don't think any impacts would happen. I wouldn't now Obviously, we have not seen the rest of the series. The rest of the series, we haven't seen the later episodes. But I imagine everything that happened in this episode could probably just could have just happened off screen. Could, well, I mean, not even happened off screen. It could have just never happened. And I, it, spoiler alert, it's a Christmaca episode. You know, it's one of those a season, yeah, which are usually kind of fun and wacky. Yeah, uh, it almost feels like they're like, well, we gotta do Christmaca. We gotta do Christmas Christmaca. <laughs> But everyone's problems are resolved. So let's make some new problems out of old problems. Let's recycle some of these problems. This is the OC where everything old is new again. Yeah. So we're talking around it. So we should, I think, just get into it because there's nothing we can say in this before this pre-ramble that will quite match what's about to come upon you. So we hope you guys are excited. Gird your loins. Hitch your horses to your carts so that you can... Be in your cart while you're listening to this podcast. Yep, because it is the OC, Season 4, Episode 7, The Chrismic, huh? The Chrismic, huh? So the first sign that this is completely standalone is there's no last time on. No, we don't need to at know. All. We don't need to know what happened earlier because they're going to tell us all of it. Another sign that this is a weird episode is it's raining in the OC. It's raining. It's Christmas time, uh, which makes sense because I guess California. And then Ryan makes a union rules joke. <laughs> I mean, he's worked on construction sites. Yeah, but Ryan makes a joke. Yeah, at, at, at this point, I'm. I'm getting used to. I'm getting used. I'm, I'm feeling comfortable with Jokey Ryan. This new verbal Ryan who expresses his feelings about things. Yeah, I'm. I'm getting used to him. Uh, he's he's a uh, he's like an an old friend found again, from the Ryan from I guess. There's there was an episode in season one I think where he was really jokey. <laughs> Maybe season yeah, yeah. two. So I think what we're hearing here is Marissa made Ryan sad. <laughs> yeah. Marissa made him not talk. Yeah, possibly. Uh. Kirsten 
is asking is if he's going to invite a guest. And I love how much everyone is into Taylor. It feels nice. They like that someone is excited about Ryan. Yeah. It feel it just feels good that they're all like, hey, you seem happier when you are with her. Like, they have never been this excited about a girl he's dated ever. Maybe Sadie? Maybe Sadie, yeah. They did not like when he dated Marissa ever. <laughs> no. No one liked when they, when dated Marissa. I don't think there was anybody who liked... I don't even think Ryan and Marissa liked when they dated. They were all sad. All sad all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he he's like, oh, I don't know, because... Uh, and Kirsten says it for him, and everyone will always say it for him, which is that you think doing this would mean that she's, she's now your girlfriend. And he's like, well, yeah, because I'm inviting her to Christmas Eve. <laughs> and then Kirsten says, no, it's Chrismica. We make our own rules. The rules are different here, Ryan. I, I do want to point out, we learned this a little bit later, but it has been a couple weeks at this point. Yeah, so they've been hanging out, having some kisses. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's he's like, all right, you know what? I will invite her. He has decided this moment he will invite her. Uh, I want to do a quick shout out here to the fact that Kirsten's ham guy arrives <laughs> and she's so excited. <laughs> it made me so happy. Oh, my. She hears the doorbell ringing. My ham guy. And he's just a man who arrives with, with a ham, ham wrapped up in like brown, brown paper. And then later there is a reference where she's like, are you sure this is a Virginia ham? And then they show us the ham. Does and it, I don't know. Doesn't this doesn't what this, that means this seems like some weird black market back alley ham dealer who arrives at her house like, hey. I brought a ham. I brought. I bring you the good ham, the best ham. Yeah. <laughs> so it's wild. Uh, this will, of course, because everything's going right, means something has to go wrong. And the thing that goes wrong is Ryan finds a letter, and the letter is has been stamped so many times. This letter has traveled <laughs> around the world maybe four or five times. Oh yeah. Sooner or later, someone realized, you know, his address is right on the front of it. I don't know why it couldn't be delivered or returned to sender. I'm I'm assuming it did the thing where it got stuck to something. You see that some sometimes. But it's been stamped so many times. Yeah. Anyway, it's a letter from Marissa. Oh, a ghost letter. I mean, that's... Yeah, it that's is not, a ghost letter. We will not hear what's in this letter until much, much later. But this letter haunts him. I think, first- he, I, think he's, he, I think he reads it immediately, though. Yeah, because it's open. Yeah. Uh, yeah, meanwhile, across the... I mean, we don't know what space is like here. <laughs> Somewhere. Somewhere. Kurt... Whoa, not Kirsten. Caitlin. Yeah. Caitlin and Julie are getting ready to go to Riverside to hang out with Julie's poor relatives. <laughs> I, when they said River, I was like... I had this moment where my heart like palpitated. I'm like, no, don't go there. Because <laughs> remember, Kevin, other TV shows are a part of the canon of the show. I thought they might be going to Riverdale. <laughs> I was like, no, no, you gotta do it. <laughs> no. They won't. Um, will they go to Riverside? We don't know. But we get distracted because in comes Taylor. And Taylor is caroling <laughs> yep. by herself. She's got a present for Ryan. It's a George Foreman grill because something will get a lot this episode to the point it's uncomfortable. It was fine beforehand. This episode ruins it where Taylor and a lot of other people will constantly be making sex jokes. Yeah, she talks about how Ryan likes lean meat. And she says it's sexy. But I don't know what that means. I think it implies that she, because she's skinny, and so was Marissa. Taylor, you're bad at sex. I mean, she's probably very good at sex. She was a sex therapist at one point. No, who? uh, man, the dialogue in this episode is terrible between her and some other characters we'll meet later. 
Now, what we find out is that her mom has gone to Cabo. Her mom did not invite Taylor because she hates Mexican food. And we objectively know that Taylor <laughs> loves Mexican food. No, I, I, I don't. I think actually Taylor gives the example of why she doesn't care that she wasn't invited because she doesn't even like Mexican food. Oh, I thought it pretty clearly said that her mom didn't invite her because Taylor doesn't like Mexican no, food. No, her mom just didn't invite her because her mom didn't invite her because her mom's terrible. Veronica's garbage. And we actually learn later why her mom actually didn't invite her, but we'll get to that when we get to that. But Taylor talks over this. She doesn't mind. She's so excited. She's going to dinner at the Cohen's house. Yeah. Now, she hasn't been invited yet, but she is very sure she'll be invited. And I love Caitlin in this scene because Caitlin keeps nodding at Taylor like she's Taylor's mom. Like, yeah. And by Taylor's mom, I mean if Taylor had a normal mom yeah. who indulged her daughter's craziness, Caitlin's like, yeah, definitely. You'll get your wishes. Uh, so she heads over to the to the Cohen's place and Ryan is – you see it as soon as she gets there. Ryan is completely different from the man he was in the last scene. There are no jokes. There's only brooding. He won't even talk to her. He, was, he uses, like, 20% of the words he used earlier. Well, and when she brings him the present, he's like, I'll open it later. I'm like, Ryan, you know that's not how presents work. You open it in front of them. <laughs> Ryan, we know you've gotten some presents. So he he's doing this, and then at a certain point, Taylor, who is very weirdly cognizant in this entire episode about, like, the structure of things, mm. is like, all right, fine, you... You clearly want to invite me, but you're too afraid to do it. So I'll invite myself. Thank you. I'm very excited to come to dinner tonight. And he goes, no, 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 you're not, you're not coming to dinner. And he's, he's very mean. He is really mean. He climbs up the ladder to get away from her. He's putting up Christmas lights. <laughs> and, like, he's very abrasive with her. Yeah, he, he's essentially outright saying, like, this, this would be a breakup conversation. <laughs> and, Ryan, I know you saw that weird letter from your dead ex, but, like... That letter sucks. We're not going to say what's in it, but it sucks. And, like, we know that the show wants us to think that she was your true love, but we watched the show. Yeah, she's not. she's not. So, Thunder thunder starts, uh, you know, rolling, and it's clearly things are getting rough. Taylor, now, to put a little bit of blame on Taylor, Taylor climbs up the ladder after him, which is not ladder safety. She's carrying the gift up the ladder. She's, yeah, she she does not have three points of contact at all times. Absolutely not. She has like half of one. <laughs> but she gets there. She tries to give him the present. He's like, no, no. And then they both fall off the ladder. <sighs> is Taylor hurt? No. Only her heart is hurt. I want to take a moment here and talk about why I like Taylor so much. She fundamentally changes how this sequence goes, because if this was any other character that Ryan has dated, what would happen is they would go, oh, okay, and then they would leave, and then Ryan would have a conversation with Sandy or Kirsten about, hey, you have to, you know, uh, move on, you have to do these things. But Taylor just forces herself upon him. Yep, and (laughs) they fall off a ladder, (laughs) because that one would end with him rushing over, and, like, they would have had Chris McCaw, and, and, like, the backyard of their house where he somehow set something up and it would have been very OC but it would not have been what we're about to get and you know I love Taylor as a character do you think maybe people didn't because she did fundamentally change the show I mean I don't know if we can judge anything by this episode this episode is such a standalone like wild thing I just mean like generally the existence of Taylor Brings joy into the OC where there was once no joy. <laughs> if it weren't for Taylor, these characters would not be connected in the way that they are. I mean, it's possible. Like, really, she's the one who, like, forces connection upon them. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, do people not like Taylor? I don't know. I, I love Taylor. Taylor seems fine. But I feel like people have been like, oh, she's no Marissa. So, the, uh, Ryan wakes up. He gets, like, water splashes on, on him. And he looks up. And it's all clear. Like, there's no... The rain is gone. The rain's gone. Uh, Taylor also wakes up and goes like, eh, uh, I don't, I don't want to be there anywhere. Uh. Only my heart is hurt. I'm leaving. I'm going to leave your George Foreman grill with you. The receipt is there so you can return it. This is a small thing. And I didn't notice it on another. So I don't know if this is just a bad angle or if they do this on purpose. This is very clearly a set. Yes. Like this is like this outside shot looks so much like a set. And it's never looked like a set before. It has. So I don't know if it's just a, an angle. We, and it kind of is an angle we've never seen before. Because you're kind of looking out across the pool. Yeah. And it looks very weird. He also looks up at the sun and there's like two suns. Yeah, that was weird too. It's the first sign that something weird is going on here. And I'm just like, oh no. The second sign oh, that something no. weird is going on is quirky music aggressively plays. Mm-hmm. As he walks. He's just walking and the quirky music is like, do, 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 do. It's not that music, but it's essentially that. <laughs> Yeah, uh, he get, returns to his room, but his room is just a workout. There's so much workout equipment in there. No, I just want to point out that he has done nothing to change his room. His room was designed the way it was when he moved into the pool house three years ago. Yeah. He's done no upgrades. So yeah. So I don't know why. Well, I do know why it looks like this. <laughs> I don't think I do know why it's this kind of room, though. I'll tell you why later. Okay. Because I can't tell you now because it'll... Yeah, well, I mean, at this point, it's starting to become very obvious. I mean, I, I, I guessed it with horror as soon as they fell off the ladder. Yeah. But he turns around, and all of a sudden, there's so many more people there as well. And Kirsten comes up. And she's wearing a power suit. Her shoulders are so sharp. And she's like, who are you? What are you doing here? And Ryan's like, Kirsten? Kirsten? And then a sad version of the credits music it, plays. So I... <laughs> It's like an extra unplugged version. Well, here's the thing about that version. I think it's supposed to be a holiday version because you can hear, like, bells tinkling in the background. Oh. It, it, <laughs> it does not work that way. It's no. just, like, weird and done by a different band. I don't know. It's it, it, it's a something. I'm very disappointed because it became immediately clear before the credits what was going on. Yeah. I'm really disappointed that the credits didn't have different shots for the actors. Yeah, it, it, it they they, they kind of went like halfway into it. I really did wish that like those credits had almost like reset. Yes. <laughs> so, like, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it, it's at this point it becomes very clear to us, obviously because Ryan's in TV world, it's going to take him forever to figure it out. Um, but he is clearly... In a world where he's never been born, never came to the OC. He never came to the OC. It's like a pseudo, it's a wonderful life. Yeah, because uh, he, he, you know, bonked his head. And so no one's recognizing him. He's still, you know, around and doing there. And I just once, I kind of wish that there was one of these things where that happens and they go, God, I'm in and I'm in an, it's a wonderful life. I do like in this scene, because Kirsten's just kind of generally berating him, and she's like, I can't have strangers walking around my house. <laughs> there, There is so many meta jokes in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, eventually, he's like, well, Seth, Seth, Seth. So she sends him off to the comic book store. Oh, you're a friend of my son's. Everything makes sense. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> though later they treat it like, oh, you have a friend. Cool. That's true. Uh, then we meet the, another change in this world, which is that Julie's doing, like, charity work. She's a philanthropist, but she doesn't know what that word is. Yep. And uh, Daryl, yeah. the... The, uh, the homeless man who's Jeff from Chuck. Yep. He's there. As her, like, 
homeless prop, I think. I think he's also, like, bodyguarding her. That's true, because when Ryan tries to talk to her and she treats him like a poor urchin boy. Mm-hmm. He's very well dressed. And he's a grown man. Well, yeah, I, I like to point out that he is just wearing a t-shirt and jeans, and she's like, look at this urchin. And he's an 18-year-old man. Yeah. Like, look at this urchin boy. Like, what? What? <laughs> what part? What? What part of him is not just a guy showing up to you? I guess because he talked to her, so she had... That's true. Like, oh, yeah, we've met during our charity stuff. Our charity. I do also like how he talks to her while she's being interviewed for the news. Oh, yeah. He just bumbles right into her. Ryan, wildly oblivious to the camera, just like, Judy? (laughs) (laughs) It's me, Ryan. You know me. You know me. You hate me? I dated your daughter. You tried to get me arrested for murder. So many times, Julie. So many times. You tried to make me kill someone, Julie. 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 You tried to turn me into a hitman. Remember that, Julie? <laughs> now he gets bustled away by Daryl. Uh, yeah. So he heads upstairs to see Seth. And Seth... Is being bullied bull- by the Ward twins. The 15-year-old boys are bullying... I guess <laughs> Seth is like 18. But, like, we know the Wards. They're nerds. <laughs> they're cool nerds, but they're nerds. Yeah, I mean, I guess this is the idea that without... Luke is still there? Yeah, that's the I, that's the image I got. Is that Luke is still there, um, and, and I guess without Caitlyn's influence, they become bullies. And they don't know that their dad dad is gay because they make all the gay jokes. Yeah. I mean, they're not good gay jokes. They're basically just like, "Who's your husband? Who's <laughs> your husband?" There's not, there's, there's not many good gay jokes. <laughs> but like, they're not even mean gay jokes. No, yeah, no, yeah. It's 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 the it's the quote-unquote joking you get in high school whereas whereas by referencing someone as being gay obviously they must be bad obviously that's an insult however then they then so they try to run out with seth's wallet ryan takes it and gives it to seth and then the wards who have just been like oh your boyfriend immediately pivot to your girlfriend's outside they 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 all they know is they want to make fun of seth and there's so many things to make fun of about seth but they so they don't know which one to to like finally land on uh seth does take a moment here also to Ask if Brian if he knows Ryan from Brown. Yeah, so, so we find out that Seth is going to Brown. I guess he's just back working for the summer, the winter. Winter, it's Christmas. Winter Why break. is he here? Because he owns the comic book store. That's true. You're right. We know. Is that, yeah, that's true. The only thing that <laughs> they never say it, but it's so clear that he has to own that comic book store. There's no way that any of this can exist if he doesn't own it. Yeah. Why would he be going to Brown and then coming back and working at that comic book store if he didn't own it? Because they're never busy. It's not like he's covering for the Christmas rush. No, no. No. But yeah, his his girlfriend is across the way, and it is... Summer, summer in a wedding dress yeah. and ryan has not only lost his sense of humor by seeing marissa's letter he's also lost his sense of like street smarts because he believes the wards oh i guess you're getting married <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know that was happening now seth like creepily mumbles to himself mustn't look mustn't look kind of like Gollum talking about not looking at the precious the <sighs> and ryan's not suspicious a, by that how a brody has forgotten how to play a nerd. This the, the the way he plays Seth in this episode is really breathy, and I think they don't say it, but I think he is supposed to be high this entire time. Oh, it does, doesn't that would all, make that makes a lot more? Doesn't sense. Doesn't all the things he's doing make more sense if he's on pot? I don't think they want to say it because because they already did their PSA on pot the last time he was on pot. <laughs> he burned down the Newport Group. Yeah, but I hundred percent believe that the way that Adam Brody and I bet even the director like told him to act. It's like. Just act like you're high. We can't say it 
because there's times later when he's talking to, to Summer, and he sort of has this, like, like half-squinty look. And, like, and, he can't remember what Ryan told him. And he's very hazy. And, yeah. So oh, I it think, does all make so much more sense if yeah, you think of it that way. It works a lot better. If not, he's this weird, breathy dude. He's like, oh, I can't talk to her. It's like Adam Brody forgot how to act. But I think it's much more, more likely that he remembered how to act. Hi. Hi. Whoa. <laughs> uh, then we have this, uh, this cut because he does learn from Seth where Sandy is. So time to go talk to his uh, co-dad. And uh, he arrives over at the, the country club. Yacht the club. Yacht club. Yacht club. It's never been a country club. It's always a yacht club. But I think it has been always been a yacht club. <laughs> he arrives at the yacht club where Sandy's doing a press conference because Sandy is the, the mayor. mayor. Oh. Which <laughs> is bad. <laughs> makes no sense. I don't understand how Sandy's arc, his public defender arc, from before he had Ryan. Yeah, I don't understand. Him here. I they they kind of. I mean, we we don't want to get to that part. We don't want to do it because it's so good of, when it comes to it. But his his excuse for why everything's the way it is makes no sense. Nope. nope. I mean, it works for two characters. Oh, I don't even know if it works for them. But anyway, he's the mayor. Ryan tries to talk to him, and we get sort of this this like this like false idea that maybe maybe Sandy will actually be the one to listen to Ryan. But then Crazy Ryan tells it in the crazy way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? He's like, no one knows who I am, not even Seth. Now, does he say that he talked to Kirsten, or does he say he talked to Sandy's wife? I don't remember, and I wish I had rewinded. Oh, yeah, no, I don't remember either. But he does essentially mention the entire... I think he does say Kirsten. Yeah. He does say... I think he does talk about Julie as well. He did, Yeah, he just says, like, you know, he's talking... He's, he essentially says, like, here's all these people. None of them recognize me. And at this point, it's like, oh, you're stalking my family. <laughs> Not unreasonable. Yes, please leave. So, um, off he goes. And now, smash cut to the real world. IRL. <gasps> Ryan and Ty- Taylor are in the hospital. Kirsten's talking to Ryan because they're in a coma. Yeah, they're in a coma. We're but doing- <laughs> not, not the scary kind of coma. They are constantly and aggressively being like, it's not a bad coma. And I don't know what came up in the writer's room, what came up from test audiences. That made them have to make it very clear that this th- is an okay coma. Eventually, what they settle on, because Caitlin kind of coins it, is coma light. They're in a coma light. <laughs> sure. All I, right. I honestly thought this would, because I, I pretty much immediately figured out they're in a, like an, um, it's a wonderful life dream sequence. But I was kind of just thinking they'd be laying on the ground, thought, and all of this would happen in like a minute I thought of they real would, life. I thought they would wake up at the end, and then they'd look at each other. But we're not doing that. We're not doing that. Instead, they're in a coma and everyone's there. And there's like, oh, well, guess guess we just wait because then cut back into the dream world. And Ryan has returned to the mall because where else will he go? <laughs> and up bustles Taylor being like, oh, thank God, Ryan, I found you. If they were going to do this a lot more like if they really wanted to feed into this being super ridiculous in the that's why the, the goofy like quirky set, music, quirky music at the beginning and the set, then it looking like a set in the two sons was kind of a one-off thing because this should have been a moment where it's almost like he's like there's no other locations than these locations yeah these are the only places we can go i kind of wish they really they really went into it being a tv show and taylor does bring up um she doesn't have to pee that she doesn't have to pee (laughs) which is so taylor have you found you haven't pee here because i haven't had to pee (laughs) 
And also that they don't have to plan to meet because they're just going to find each other when they need to. Yeah. And I kind of wish that they really leaned into that. Like Ryan mentions, like, he's like, oh, Ryan, you're, you're here. He's like, yeah, I walked out of a yacht club and now I'm, at, I'm here. I don't really know what's happening. It's like I was transported here. Dude, they do just walk everywhere this episode. Yeah, no one has a car. Uh, so she found him. They recognize each other. So I guess they're sharing a coma dream. Smash cut to the yacht club where they're sitting at the bar drinking waters. And Taylor explains this is a parallel universe, which she knows a lot about because she went through a sci-fi phase. Yeah, so clearly what they need to do to get through this is they need to fix something. Something has to be something wrong that they need to... And in comes Summer. Bimbo Summer. Summer is kind of... I mean, She's worse than season one, episode one, Summer. Yeah, she is. She has absolute degree. She's also, we'll see this a couple times, I think she's also just gotten dumber? Yeah. Yeah. So she's there, and she is dating, and I guess marrying... Chester! Che! Crunchy Chris Pratt has become... Frat bro Chris Pratt. Preppy Chris Pratt. No, no frat bro. Frat bro is really. Yeah. And he has he also, I think, even got a dumber from Shay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think so, too. So I think this is the scene where Taylor figures out that Ryan transferred to Newport and got the last <laughs> spot at Newport, Hi- Newport High. Yeah. Harbor. Harbor School. That's what it's called. Yeah. So because he transferred there, that meant the Chase family could not move to Newport. So they instead moved to Connecticut, which is what made him a hippie. But if he had come here, this is what he would have turned into. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sh- you know what? Let's just accept that and I guess go on our way. Now, we also get to see Holly again. Holly is back. Mm-hmm. Remember Holly who threw all the parties in season one? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't until later I realized I was Holly. And, like, it's the same actress. Same actress. But, but she was so long ago. And I think she has short hair back then. And yeah. Also, they have a, there's a, always a lot of skinny blonde girls in mm. the OC. It's sometimes hard to tell them apart three years, years later. later. So Taylor looks at the situation and goes, aha, this is what we have to fix. We're going to break them up and get Seth and Summer back together. So uh, let's split up to do the work and then we'll just find each other. Yeah, uh, we do take a quick ga- ga- uh, quick trip back to the real world where essentially we hear them say, well, they'll, they'll wake up soon. Just talk to them. Have have Chrismica around them. So uh, <laughs> They don't say have Chrismica around them. But they say f- surround them with familiar sights and sounds. And so they decide to bring Chrismica to the hospital because that's what the hospital wants. That's definitely <laughs> what they want. So now we have moved from Ryan's perspective in the dream. I had a moment when we were with Sandy. I'm like, oh, my God, are we seeing people who Ryan's not around? We can't do that. You can't do this. But we will not have that situation. Instead, because this is a shared psychosis. I guess. Taylor, not psychosis. Taylor is now uh, our primary viewpoint. Mm-hmm. And Taylor is really, really good at stalking. <laughs> well, I think mostly just like she's aware that nobody will recognize her. So she does. She does all the stalking. She stalks Summer. She sees Summer and Holly drive off in a car, and then she overhears Che getting a phone call. He is very clearly cheating on Summer. And like not even trying to keep it a secret. <laughs> no, he steps like 10 feet away and goes, hey, he's really obsessed with thongs. Yeah, he's like, you wearing the thong I gave you? <laughs> the- you need me to take it off? I don't know who... 
is writing the dialogue for this episode, but thongs are the big thing here for like, for Chester. Thongs are fine, but Chester doesn't have many depths. <laughs> he doesn't have he doesn't have many depths. Uh, so he's going to be there right away because he's gotta get that thong. <laughs> And he does say I love you to the person he's on the phone with, which is... <laughs> Weird and uncomfortable. <laughs> and I do like it. I'm sure he thinks he does love her. Uh, <laughs> and then I guess he walks there. We don't see it, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He walks there and Taylor... Is able to go there with him. <laughs> yes. So Ryan kind of... I'm, I'm going to say Ryan arrives home-ish. He walks, just freely walks back into that Cohen house. Yep. So I'm just going to say, Kirsten, if you don't want people to be able to walk in, you've got to lock your door. I mean, I guess they are still setting up for the party. Oh, that's true. So they are coming in and out. He's going up, he's trying to find Seth, and instead he finds Kirsten. Who's glad that he's there to visit Seth. (laughs) Now, because you realize that it's a friend. Uh, And also... Kirsten's husband. Who is Jimmy? And that's why the pool house is a gym. For Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy like to work out? In this world, he does. I was looking, I was just, when I saw, like, Jimmy, Ed, Kirsten, and Seth, I was just like, who's using that very, very developed workout room? Because it's not Jimmy. He's not a... It's, it's like a weight training workout room. Yeah, it's like a punching a, bag. He's not and, a weights man. Yeah, no, like, if, if it was, like, a cardio room, I'd be like, yeah, these are all cardio people. Seth mm-hmm. would, like... Slough away on the treadmill. <laughs> he walks in the treadmill with his iPod in. It was home. Then when no one's home, he brings his pot in. He has a pot treadmill. <laughs> he just wa- he's not even on a treadmill. He's just walking in a tight circle. <laughs> wow, this treadmill's so good. <laughs> Whereas, like you know, Jimmy and uh, Kirsten run next to each other, competing treadmills. Yeah. So I-, I guess now Jimmy is married to Kirsten. This one makes sense very much so yeah. they he loved her so much and yeah. and she was fine with him <laughs> and uh jimmy is also really excited that seth has a friend and he would really like seth's friend to come to their party that I, night at seven i like in this alternate universe that jimmy is still a jimmy yeah he's still jimmy and like he he's been a trash parent in many things but they've always treated him like a good parent yeah so they continue to treat him like a good parent here he's like oh a friend you could and even as ryan's walking away he's like come to the party it starts at seven see you soon seth's friend yeah <laughs> ryan leaves without trying to find seth because this is too awkward for ryan well no seth, i think seth isn't there seth is off. But how does he know that Jim, no, Jimmy told oh, him. Oh, Jimmy said Seth wasn't there. Jimmy said oh, okay. Seth isn't there. He's somewhere else. I thought that Ryan just, like, cosmic mind melded it. <laughs> I mean, Seth's so... Seth's not here. I have to leave. So something I was thinking about this, and I was looking through this, I'm like, okay, if we imagine that this is a dream sequence and not an alternate universe... Parallel universe. Par- they, no, they say alt world. They say alt world. Oh, that's right. An alternate universe. I mean, they're the same thing, honestly, yeah. but they do use the term alt world. Um... If we assume this is a dream, which is what I have to for me to continue watching the show, this is all Ryan's impressions of these people. So, which is that Jimmy is a good dad. Jimmy is a good dad, and like these, this is this is his construction of this world. Which I have a very quick question: Has he ever met Che? I don't think he ever had. Uh, a run Yes, in- he has, because when he went to the party last episode. Yeah. He has to have come across Che being yeah. handcuffed to Summer. What, well, that's why I'm imagining his this this really dopey, shallow version of Che. It comes from his talks with Seth and his moment of 
like meeting him. Which is a dopey man who handcuffed himself to Summer. Which explains why Shay is dating Summer. And and is so like one dimensional and shallow. Yeah. It's because Ryan could only construct that version of him. Honestly, there's so much crazy stuff in here, but if you give the writers the benefit of a doubt with a lot of things they're doing, there are certain things in here that I'm like, if you see it as, for example, Seth is high, mm-hmm. and Ryan has constructed a world from his own mind he doesn't realize. Then you're so, kind of like, all right. Yeah. Until we reach this. So what we see is we see Sandy and Julie walk out of, I think, Neil's house. I think it's the Roberts' house. <laughs> like, I think they're using the Neil's house set. Yeah, and, well, and not only that, um, w- without spoiling anything later, when Taylor does eventually go inside, she recognizes the maid and speaks to her and says, oh, you don't recognize me, which means that it has to be the Roberts, the Roberts house. house. So, did <laughs> Julie briefly get together with Neil, steal his house, and then get together with Sandy? Yeah, that is, that is what we learn here, is that Sandy and Julie have gotten married. Now... What I want to now, Aaron, I, I want to take a moment here and try to save this show. Why did Ryan make this happen? I don't think this is Ryan's. I think this we is are Taylor's. Dream? I think we are actually cutting between Ryan's and Taylor's dream. That's fair. Because in Taylor's dream, she doesn't actually she her concept of relationships is very skewed in a way. So I can see her being like, oh. Julie and him would get together because she's seen them together and there's a lot of, like, hatred between them, which she might misconstrue as passion. And, you know, Taylor may think, well, if he's not with Kirsten, who is he going to be with? And the reason she thinks that he's she's in the Roberts house is because that's the only house she has ever seen Julie in. Really. That would also make sense. Because she lives in that house. Yeah. So whenever we see Taylor alone, that is her dream construction. Whenever we see Ryan alone, that's his dream construction. When we see them together. You're seeing one of their dream constructions. Okay. They, they, once again, I don't want to spoil the ending. They never really communicate to each other what they saw in each other's dreams. So they could have seen slightly different things. That's true. And I think that actually still works in the idea of this world that we're seeing multiple dream sequences. So what we have spoiled here is, not spoiled, Taylor is in the woods. Yes. she's hiding, the Robert's house. She's hiding in the woods, looking at Chester, who's hiding in the woods. Making dog noises. Yeah, so 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 this is why I think that it's, that this is di- a different dream projection. Because Taylor sees Che as a dog. <laughs> That's true. Because he never makes these dog noises in Ryan's dream projection. In Ryan's dream projection, he's obsessed with thongs. Mm. In mm-hmm. in Julie's or uh, in um Taylor's dream projection, he's he's like he's a, dog. a dog. And moving forward, when they at when it's Chester, Chester's is going to be sleeping with Julie. That's yeah, the that's the whole thing. That's the reveal. That's who he's cheating on Summer with. When they're making out each other, their their relationship is a lot more physically aggressive. It's very physically aggressive, which I think ties into more of how Taylor sees sex. <laughs> It's true that is how Taylor sees sex. <laughs> As I was watching this, I got really into this idea of like, what if these writers are geniuses? What if this is a perfect episode? It's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. But what if? So they go into the house and Taylor just casually walks on into the house because it's a dream. It's a dream. She's not visible. She sees them doing some making out. It's unsettling. She he, keeps He keeps barking. <laughs> and she, she keeps saying like a yoinks. <laughs> <laughs> she also keeps calling him a dog and, like, slapping his butt. Yeah. It's, it's very weird, but if you imagine a Taylor sex dream, mm. 
then Taylor sort of, I guess, wants She's to... creeping. She wants to investigate more. She yeah. wants to know more about what's going on. Yeah. And also, Summer might live in that house. It's, yeah. <laughs> we don't know. So she's just trying to get information. She walks into Summer's room. Yeah. Her room. Yeah. And the housekeeper's there. And she knows the housekeeper. The housekeeper doesn't know her, but says, oh, you're here for Miss Cooper. Yeah. She gets home at 3 p.m. From, from Berkeley. Berkeley. Yeah. And then Taylor looks over, and it's a photo of Marissa and Caitlin. Ooh. And it's a photo that I think we've actually seen before. I think we have as well. But anyway. So our characters move from there to sort of fill each other in on what they what they individually saw. And they find each other at the diner. Yeah. And this there's like a lot of real cuteness between Taylor and Ryan in this scene. Yeah. Until Taylor tells Ryan about Marissa that Marissa is alive. At which point Ryan freaks out and decides he has to live in this dream. <laughs> yeah, they are Man, they're really pushing that Ryan and Marissa soulmate thing this episode. And I thought we already season three was all that about that not. not being a thing. That was season three. Mm-hmm. Season three was that we were done with this with this thing. We, we they everyone had come to that conclusion, but I, I guess, guess we're, we're forgetting doing... about that. So Ryan cannot leave the dream. He's going to the airport, and he's going to be at the airport to convince Marissa to love him again, even though he doesn't know her. He, which he Taylor doesn't, does. He point doesn't out. say it. I think. I mean, it's also supposed he just wants to see her again. But I think there's a part of him, like, deep inside, that's like, when she sees me, everything will fall into place. That's the thing that needs to be fixed. <laughs> that's the thing that needs to be fixed. I'll bring her back to life through this alternate <laughs> universe. So, back in real life, Summer arrives. Well, first we have, like, some banter between Julie and Caitlin about how they're having a real Britney Christmas. And Ju- Caitlin is not allowed to bring wine. Not because Caitlin can't drink wine, but because the Riverside... People drink wine coolers. I was going to call them by their last name, then I realized we don't know what their last name is. No, we don't know what her maiden name is. No. no. So, anyway, Caitlin's got to get those wine coolers, not the wine bottle. Yeah. Then in comes Summer, and Summer's like, oh my god, Taylor and Ryan are in mini comas. This, this is where we once again go through something. Being, they're in comas, but it's fine. It's not going to do any lasting damage to them. But, like, I need to find Taylor's mom, because Taylor's mom should know that she's in a coma. And Julie's like... Taylor's mom's going to Cabo. Wait, what mother would do that? <laughs> yeah, Julie taking a incredible moment of motherly stand here. Not for Caitlin. Never for Caitlin. No, Caitlin's not a child. <laughs> but Taylor. Oh, she will protect Taylor. So she feels very strongly that Taylor needs her mom and no mother should go to Cabo. So she's going to take the girls to the airport. Yeah, this. I mean, don't get me wrong. This is good for Julie. It's not. It doesn't feel Julie, not that Julie, you know what, this feels like what they think Julie is doing, but it's mm-hmm. not really what they've been showing Julie's doing. It's like the show doesn't want to give Caitlin any credit as Julie's daughter. They're like, no, she was a great mother to Marissa. She has no <laughs> child now. It's, it's, all, it's also like they should have done what I said earlier, which was they should have had Taylor be a stand-in for Marissa, mm-hmm. which would make mm-hmm. this scene make a lot more sense. Because Julie was like, oh, I have to be there for Taylor. No, wait. Taylor needs her actual mom, who was terrible, and not me, who was also terrible. But in a different way. So, yeah, so they're going to run off and find Veronica. Victoria? Veronica. Veronica. I keep on confusing those names. Also in real life, a nurse gives Kirsten the letter, because I guess an EMT found it on the floor of the ambulance. <laughs> it was a fallen out of Ryan's pocket. And Caitlin's like, 
Ooh, or not Caitlin Kirsten is like, <gasps> I know everything. And she's like, I'm worried that they're not awake from their mini comas yet. <laughs> and the nurse explains, don't worry. I found when people are in mini comas, it's because they're working on something. <laughs> so they just have to work through their emotional issues. They have to heal themselves. This then n- they'll wake up. This nurse should be fired. <laughs> yeah, that's not a thing a nurse should say to a grieving family. This is like in what was it, Star Wars. It was like, ah, oh, she died of a broken heart. I'm like, you're not a doctor. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> what is that nonsense you just said? People are only in comas because they have to work on their emotional problems. Once they do, they'll just wake up. I hope she's not a nurse. She's just like... A person who found nurses scrubs? The administrator. But she wears scrubs to work when she's on night shift because they're comfy. I gotta hope she's just someone who walked off the street and said, I found this letter. It's Uh. wild. It's wild. So, Aaron. Yes, Kevin. What did, I guess, we learn this week? This week, we have done a little bit of a dive, Kevin more so than me, because I'm just here to listen to what he has to say, about how is Riverdale going to Riverdale? Yeah, and and more than that, how is TV, uh, which we have, you know, do our show base off of, and all that going to come back in a time where we're still dealing with COVID and still dealing with, you know, a possibility to go back into, and depending on where you are, still in a... Uh, Stay at home, isolation, quarantine, whatever the phrasing in your local environment is. Yeah. So it's so the the idea, obviously, with film and any sort of creating with that, so you is that you're trying to create a world where obviously that doesn't exist. But how do you do that while still having it exist? Yeah. How do we? Live with real world constraints in a fictional world where we would like to. Yeah. So some of the, some of the things that, that we've seen uh, are such as like uh, they talk about extras. They they want people to try to do to try to plan shots around with the fact that extras don't have to be so much in the scene. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to have massive amounts of extras in one scene. Which do we? To, to be, be fair, fair, Riverdale's not good at having extras, so it's not going to change things a lot. Well, and and not only that, in general, we actually are seeing all these things that when you have those huge, giant crowd scenes, usually those are computer generated. Yeah. You actually, usually if you have that many people, you're not actually getting 10,000 people to stand in the uh, auditorium or to sit, fill in the seats. They're all plated in. Which so it means we'll, we'll sort of see a pivot there. I think maybe more of yeah, that. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. Uh, but if you do have extras wandering around, they ask certain things of extras. They want them to bring in their own clothes. Which um, we discussed this Canadian extras. Yeah. Do pretty much all the time when, anyway. Whenever I've done extra work or seen extra calls, they're always like, bring in your own clothes. And like if it's a super period piece, like everyone we know has Hell been an extra on Hell on Wheels. They yeah. provide costuming. Yeah. But like even if there are things that are like 1970s, they'll be like, okay, we'll bring clothes we'll give you like example. this. We'll give you an example of clothes and then they'll... Choose which one of those clothes. And if you, and if your clothes don't quite fit, they'll just put you way further back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, like, you're always wearing your own shoes, even if you're on Hell on Wheels. They're like, bring your black dress shoes. Yeah, we just put you in a place where you can't see your feet. Yeah. <laughs> don't bring your runners. No Nikes, please. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, usually with extras, you, like, they do a good job of just, you're just not there. They'll have featured extras, essentially, who get, like, full costuming and yeah. things like that. But most of the just crowd extras are just... People that are wearing things that look close enough that when you blur them out really big in the background, 
It's fine. Not a problem. Now, I think I saw some things where each actor will have their own makeup artist, just one, one person dedicated to them. Yeah, sure. So a little more jobs there for makeup yeah. people, which is nice. Uh, there's there's talk about obviously they'll be uh, having just people spread out more. Uh, I, I have to imagine that you'll get a lot more shots with long angle lenses. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so if we see in these, uh, in like everything that comes out after all the things shoot here, so we'll be seeing the things that they shoot in like ye- like a year, like so like next year. Yeah, they're saying that Riverdale is going to be back in January. Yeah, yeah, they say a lot of things. <laughs> they do say a lot of things. Um, I wonder if we'll see a lot more shots. So you can you should have long angle lenses because they have a shorter focal distance, so things will be very blurry. Uh, in the back back and in front of them. So I wonder if we're going to be getting a lot more of those shots where it's just like someone isolated in a very blurry space because they're shooting with long angle lenses. Maybe a lot more dream sequences. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, something I was thinking about is they're also thinking about like kissing scenes and like on set intimacy. And like, we know that Riverdale already builds things around real life couples anyway. Uh, Yeah. But so Lily Reinhardt and Cole Sprouse are dating as far as we know. Mm. Um, and Camila Mendez and the guy who plays uh, Reggie. I'm so sorry. I've lost his name and I'm not going to find it this quickly in my brain. That's fine. But they're dating in real life, too. So I wonder if we're going to see a Veronica Reggie love story. <sighs> I, I mean, I, I, I hope that they would stick more to what the story should be unless what. But Kevin, we're skipping forward five years. Oh, we're gonna right. We're going to do three episodes and of then, the now. And then skip forward five years. So it's lined up with Katie Keene. Honestly, if they could. Oh, my God. You're right. That is. That, oh that is a consideration. God, I hate this. Um, I mean, honestly, I, they could skip forward now and just like Mr. Honey's been missing for five years. <laughs> Who knows what they're gonna do? Um, but yeah, so you get those, you get things like that. I, I think I heard soap operas. They're like gonna bring in the actual spouses of or the uh, the <laughs> the significant the significant other of some actors and do like <laughs> do shots stand-ins. that way. The stand-ins with like wigs on. I guess <laughs> I just heard that one. I don't know if that's true, but I heard that one. And there were rumors going about the craft services will be gone. Turns well, out they won't be. It's, there's going to be a lot of individually wrapped stuff. There's going to be no, like, big warming tray of lasagna. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, craft services better stuff. They'll, they'll just have more of those indiv- the little uh, fun size chocolate bars. Ah, <laughs> uh, poor starving actors. Uh, that, that, that means we only have the thing I had when I worked on uh, a set that I, my favorite thing, which is where we did uh, Taco in a Bag. With the Doritos, and you just pile this up in and then shook it up. That was mm-hmm, good. Mm-hmm. That was good. So Ryan arrives at the airport, and he's looking around, and it's very chaotic for some reason. And for some reason, there's, like, a sign in front of the upper half of everyone's bodies. <laughs> so all he sees is, like, a slim woman mm-hmm. wearing a Berkeley sweatshirt tied around her waist. And she comes around the corner. You sort of see, like, blonde hair Blondish hair. But Long it, hair. But you only see that for a little second as... uh. As Ryan comes up, grabs her by the shoulder. It's Caitlin. It's Caitlin, who is apparently going to college at 15. Yeah, she says that she's a prodigy, which I believe. <laughs> I don't. If Caitlin had been allowed to stay home with two parents and go to Harbor instead of being sent off to boarding school like a rejected child, just she would have thrived. <laughs> okay, I will, well, let's, we'll, we'll get to that very quickly because she does reveal here. That, no, Marissa actually... Died in that Tijuana alley. So earlier when they're saying that Marissa's still alive, I'm like, I don't think she would... I don't I don't think she also would go to Berkeley. Her her 
Ryan did not cause her like downfall. No, she was on a roller coaster down when he arrived. So, so I actually thought of that moment, and I had written it down. I didn't want to do it because at that point it became a spoiler. Yeah. Um, which is that she, I'm like, she would have died in Mexico. Yeah, because, because that, she that, that, still she still would have gone there. She still would have seen Luke hooking up with Holly. Yeah, it just and she Ryan, still would have ran into the night. It just Ryan would not have followed, been there to follow her. And Luke was never going to find her. Yeah, so you know what? Good job, show. I mean, that's very obvious, but but like great work doing it. Yeah, well, I I was also kind of worried that they would just pick something else and be like, oh no, she died in a drunk driving accident with that she caused because she was drunk. Ooh. But, they, but no, she did. Die in a thing that she should have died in. So, so it's the idea then for at least Caitlyn because she died. They just they're like, oh, well, I guess we have the other daughter. Yeah, I'd imagine it's Jimmy who was like, we are mean- not sending her away, Julie. <laughs> you mean we have the other daughter, Julie? Like, who? <laughs> what? What? Maybe for a while she lived on a boat. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> who knows? Um, Taylor like apparates to the airport. Basically, she's right there behind Ryan. And she's like, I'm so sorry. And then they're back at the yacht club over waters. And Taylor tries to explain to Ryan that he gave Marissa three more years that she wouldn't have had. And if Marissa died, like, he was not meant to save her. Like, this yeah. the universe is telling him something. Yeah. Th- maybe this thing is meant to be. Of course, Ryan is still pretty sad about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pause. Back in the real world. Seth explains to Sandy that Ryan and Taylor are trapped in an alternate universe and they have to restore balance or maybe fight carrot monsters or something. Meanwhile, uh, I'm saying he sort of accepts that, but they do get a call from Kirsten and Kirsten says, I know why they're still in a coma. I know why he hasn't woken up. I'm like, oh, so you really took what that nurse said. Real seriously. Real seriously. I'm like, oh, is that what we're doing here? Is that the thing that we're, we're doing? All right. Well, in the dream, the party begins. And uh, Taylor and Ryan set off on their separate journeys to reunite people with their proper partners. What they have decided is that Seth needs to be with Summer, Sandy and Chris need to be together, and they don't really care about what happens with Julie and Jimmy. <laughs> well, they were separated anyways. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to take a moment here to, to also clarify that I guess when Taylor has never existed, her parents had another, because they only want one kid, I guess. Yeah. One, they, so one, they had a child, which is a boy also named, named Taylor. Taylor. And she is also terrible to him. She talks about his pancake butt. Yep. He's wearing a man girdle, I think she says. Yeah, she calls him fat, just like she called Taylor fat I, all the time. I do like that essentially what this means is that Taylor's lesson is to learn that her mother doesn't hate her because she's like failed as a woman or failed as a girl. Her it's mother because just would hate any child. Her mother's she has. terrible. Her mother will treat any but any child she has the exact same. And she's like, "Oh, it's not me. It's you." And you know what? That's a good lesson for Taylor to learn. Yeah, I I, I didn't quite get why the like. And in this world, Taylor is a boy, but it's because it's learning that there is subtlety to this episode that makes it amazing. But then there is nonsense. Nonsense. Then this. What's the opposite of subtlety? This episode, I guess, and there's a lot of ham. There's a lot of ham that doesn't make, that doesn't make any sense. Like that ham at the beginning. Mm. Oh, that's that's what happened. That's why there was a ham guy. Hey, <laughs> Kirsten invited in her ham guy, and then just ham got everywhere. Back in the real world, we find out that Veronica is going to Cabo. 
with a, essentially a child. A very young man. I guess she's also doing the cougaring thing that Julie and... And Saren. ...were also doing. And that's why Kate... That's why... um. Taylor wasn't invited is because it was a sex trip with her child. child. So <sighs> Julie comes up and says, Veronica, you need to come back. Your child is in a mini coma. And man, Veronica does not want to go. And so essentially, Julie has to threaten Veronica <laughs> that she's going to tell airport security that Veronica has a bomb. I'll make a bomb threat <laughs> if you do not go and see your child. They're like, this might be the best mothering Julie has ever done. And it's very Julie way of doing it. And Caitlin loves it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And let's head back into the dream world where Ryan essentially tells Seth, like, hey, I'm from an alternate universe. And Seth is like, I knew this would happen one day. And like, you know what? You know what? You're right. You're right. If there's one person who would believe you, it's Seth. It's Seth. So also, Seth is super high right now. So high. Because he's like crying on his bed like a child. This is where I figured out like, oh, Seth has been high this entire time because the way that he acts in this entire sequence is a high man. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Taylor pulls... An incredible stunt where she wanders on up to Kirsten, who's getting some food, and she's like, oh, my God, this is such a good party. I'm so glad the mayor let me off work so I could come to this party. You know, I can never get any work done at the mayor's office because the mayor is always crying about how much he misses his ex-wife. Uh, I shouldn't say that. She must be here somewhere. Bye. It's <laughs> <laughs> really good. Like, okay. Yeah, sure. All right. Uh, th- there's a weird line here where uh, – Ryan got a jacket, which is very important to Taylor for some reason. There's no reason for it. I thought for a second he was going to seduce Julie to like so that they would see that. Or it was like a disguise or something, but... It's not. He just has a jacket now. So uh, they decide to go remove the obstacles between Summer and Kirsten getting... Or sorry, Summer and Kirsten, Sandy and Kirsten, which is essentially that they're going to trick both Chester and Julie. You mean... Oh, no, it's not Sandy and Kirsten. You mean the, the, the thing between Summer and Seth. Well, I guess it's Sandy and Kirsten and it's Summer and Seth because they want to get Chester and Julie out of the way. Oh, yeah, you're right. It, it's essentially it's this is this is the crux of this entire plan uh, that they have to deal with uh, with Chester and Julie, S- Julie and, and they, Summer. And then they don't deal with Jimmy. No one is concerned about getting Jimmy out of the way from Kirsten's view. No, I think I think they're like, well, all we have to do is remind Kirsten that. It, there's this falls apart right here because they're really assuming that I guess Sandy did something that they just need to remind Sandy S- that Kirsten's well, better than Julie. Well, no, they have to remind they have to remind Kirsten that Sandy still cares about her. So they're really t- putting a lot of this onto Sandy was the one who walked away. Well, I guess that's because Sandy's with Julie. Whereas, like, why wouldn't Kirsten be with Jimmy? Yeah, but <laughs> but that makes but Sandy being with Julie makes the least sense. I cannot imagine a world that they do. Co- apparently, Taylor can, but yeah. I cannot imagine a world that those two end up together. Well, we do find out from Taylor overhearing things that the reason they got together was so that Julie could mastermind his political campaign, which also makes no sense because I think she has proven when she tried to do that with Caleb that that, that she's she bad can't at mastermind it. anything. No, did her porn thing never come up this time? Ah, I guess not. That was unrelated to everything going on. Anyway, off goes Chester and Julie to go deal with her thong in the master bathroom. Yeah, Chester is continually the worst. 
And we find out that Sandy's working with Dr. Griffin on a new hospital. Yeah, once again, just a lot of lot of references. I guess that's the show that, like, ah, oh, Sandy is still... Oh, this Sandy is a dark Sandy. He likes Dr. Griffin. Ah, uh, or he just just never learned about the Dr. Griffin. That's true. Because who, who's going to tell him? He's got no mat. Yeah, he's got no mat. And Dr. Griffin wouldn't lose his mind. You know, Dr. Griffin was only corrupt after Matt broke up with Maya. That is true. <laughs> and and I don't... And the thing is that he only met Matt because he, he started running the Newport group, which currently... Kirsten Kirsten does. is doing. But why is Sandy working on the hospital? Well, he's the mayor. I think he's referencing that he is... That he's like... A man about town. Yeah. And the, and the Griffin thing is like just a, a name that was mentioned... <laughs> So Taylor tries to pull the same thing on Sandy that he she did on Kirsten. Yeah. And he sees a little bit through it. <laughs> yeah. But then... Brings in the mail truck, which I think is a reference that to I To an earlier forgot. episode that... It's, it's got to be something they referenced earlier, and I just forgot. This episode... this For, for this episode not having a, having a last time on, on, there's a lot of things it expects you to remember. Like and, Holly and... And, like, we pay a lot of attention to this show, but I cannot remember the mail truck thing. Anyway, it does, like, honestly, even not knowing what it is, though, you get the premise. Yes. I'm interested that Taylor knows it. Well, you know, Sandy <laughs> likes to talk about things that happened at Berkeley a lot. <laughs> Taylor, let me tell you a story about me and my wife. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Seth woos Summer really, really easily by talking about the valley and Princess Sparkle, yeah. although he also super fumbles it because he's high and I, says things in reverse order. I and... don't even know if he fumbles it. I think he does that. He, he goes, also, my, the name of my horse is Princess Sparkle. No, wait. My name, my, my horse is Captain Oats. I just think that Princess Sparkle is an awesome name for a horse. And because Summer is, is so dumb in this so world. So dumb in this world. She's like, <gasps> I have a horse named that. It is a good name. It's a conversation between a man blitz out of his brain and a, and like a walking cabbage. <laughs> and still I'm rooting for them. They work. They got it. I, I assume Summer will get smarter once she's no longer in Chester's aura. I mean, he does give off just like a general sprinkling of dumb. He does. He 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 tries to invite Taylor into having a threesome with him and Julie, and the look on Taylor's face is horrified. Ah <laughs> uh, no! Ah! <laughs> uh. <laughs> and Taylor is very open sexually. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of Taylor, it's time for her to have, I guess, her moment of what she has to do here. Because, you know, she and Ryan catch up on how their scheme's going. It seems like it's going pretty well. And then she overhears her mom berating boy Taylor again. And Taylor's just like, you know what? I'm not her daughter in this world. I can say anything I want. So he, so she tells tells her off. She calls her a bitch. And she essentially is like, I have value. Boy Taylor has value. And if you can't see that, you suck. I like how the, they, the way that they show this, too, once again... They drive in so much that Veronica is a terrible person. She just insults Taylor, yeah. who she doesn't know. She doesn't know. She just still. She's <laughs> she's like, oh, I can see you like to eat. <laughs> now, granted, this is Taylor's dream. Yeah, I know, but like, but... at no point in this episode will do I feel like Veronica learns anything, and I don't think that's the point. No, the point is that Taylor, Taylor just moves on past Veronica. Yeah, Taylor needs to learn that Veronica will not change. And she doesn't have to change. You're an adult now. And Taylor, you have better people in your life. You have a new mom, a 
a new mom who will threaten a bomb <laughs> threat on your behalf. <laughs> it's a real mom. Uh, but yeah, so she, she, uh, she being Taylor freaks out a little bit, and then she starts to hear rain. <gasps> Ryan goes to get her some water. Mm-hmm. Now, while Ryan is away, Julie and Chester get caught by Jimmy. <laughs> I don't know how they planned that. Chester tries to seduce Summer because apparently he's always helping people with their thongs that get stuck with his mouth. Yeah, he, he, he did the same thing with Holly. <laughs> and then he, like, tries to go back to Summer and then just sees Holly in the distance. I mean, Seth does step in. But... Yeah. And uh, Summer loves it. It's great. But then all of Taylor's machinations <laughs> are revealed. Uh, the unfortunate thing is that all it takes is for someone to tell someone else what they heard. <laughs> and say where it came from. So it's like, oh, no, it doesn't work in the real world. This isn't even the real world. Why isn't this working? Ryan comes back with the water and they're like, hey, strangers, what's happening? <laughs> and then I'm, I'm kind of bummed how they did this. I really thought what it would be. So Taylor is clearly waking up. That's yeah. clearly the deer. And they actually just have her run off, be like, oh, I have to leave. She's like, Ste-. I wish she had disappeared, like Star Trek style, like <laughs> not, the glitter behind. Maybe not that. That would have been very hammy. But you know what? Maybe for this episode, it'll work. I, we would have been like, yeah, sure. You know what? That makes sense. I, could, I really hope that it would have been that, like, that it would have like cut like even just panned over to Ryan, then panned back and she was gone, Ooh, and yeah. everyone was like wasn't even treating like she was there. Like it was Ryan who did all of Ryan it. Ryan did all, all that. <laughs> I mean, if you wanted to make it silly, it would have been pan over, pan back, and there's just a glass of water in the air, <laughs> then it falls. <laughs> oh, it would have been so much better. But instead, she I almost thought they were gonna do this thing where she's like being like pulled away on a treadmill and <laughs> fades into another room. But now she just runs off because she looks, looks like she has food poisoning, and really. she's like, Ryan, you have to fix it. I finished my story. You have to finish yours. <laughs> yep. Meanwhile, Real World Taylor wakes up, and she does take a moment here where I guess she's still remembering this dream. But then it disappears from her mind. It does disappear. Because she, she, Kirsten's there, and she goes, Kirsten, you and Sandy should be together. And Kirsten's like, okay. I'm glad you're invested in my life. All right. Back into dream, Ryan. Ryan explains to all of these people that they all saved his life in some way just by being who they're supposed to be, even Jimmy Cooper. But you're not who you're supposed to be. So he just tells them all what they're supposed to be. And uh, while this was all going on, oh, no, I guess Jimmy left to go get security. No, Julie left to get security. So Julie didn't hear his speech. Yep. Julie's the one who needs it the most. Uh I don't think he cares about Julie. I don't think so either. <laughs> yeah. Julie's just a byproduct in his whole story. He, I definitely believe he likes Jimmy more than Julie. Well, that's why Jimmy's the good one. That's why Jimmy's the good one. That's why Jimmy is so nice to him. Is because he's like, <laughs> you know what? I do like you, Jimmy. Even my dream, you can have a good role. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you a better life in my dream than you had in the real world. I mean, he was, uh, was going to end with He Mar- likes his boat life. He's going to end with Marissa and Jimmy. Well, he also got, though, beaten up and oh, a lot true. of those things. Many times beaten up. Yeah, he, he got back to the series to get clowned on. So uh, Ryan gets dragged up by security while he shouts, be together. <laughs> yep. 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 Uh, back in the real world. Veronica arrives, and oh boy. Veronica is furious that she missed Cabo, and her daughter has woken up from her mini coma and is walking. Is she glad that her daughter is okay and healthy? No. No. And then she gets a very confusing sequence that I didn't get for quite a while, which Taylor comes and goes like, Mom, you can go to Cabo, and then hugs her. (laughs) And Veronica's like, like weirded out that her daughter isn't angry at her or anything. Which... 
shows a little bit of insight that I didn't expect from Veronica. Well, f- so for a while, I'm like, so that's what we're going to end with her. Just like she she didn't learn to stand up against like, oh, wait, no, because she doesn't. She learned that she doesn't she, need to. She doesn't need to stand up to her mom in the real world because she's learned that she's beyond her mom. She yeah. doesn't care. She so, do, she doesn't need her. Well, because she didn't need, like she wasn't going to change her mom's mind. She just needed yeah. the experience. Yeah, and she well, she even sees in that world she didn't change her even in her dream world she doesn't change her mom's yeah. mind. And I think it's noteworthy that I don't think she says I'll see you when you get back. I think she's like go to Cabo. Goodbye. Goodbye. And I I don't know what's going to happen. I this episode's making me lose faith in season four, but I kind of wish and hope that Veronica is not seen again and Taylor does not have to have any more interactions doesn't with have to realize this again. Or, yeah. Like yeah. she is at this point, she is done. She's past it. And she has forgotten her, her coma thing as well. Yes. While this is going on, Kirsten gives Julie the letter and says, I didn't read this, but this is why Ryan's in a coma. Yep. And Julie reads it immediately. Yep. Cause Julie doesn't care about privacy. <laughs> yeah. Back in the dream world, Ryan's in jail with a drunk Santa. Yep. That's fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He gets bailed out by Sandy. And this is where Sandy's puts up a reasoning for why everything the way it is. And I don't quite agree with it. He's like, well, I think that after Marissa died, everyone here just kind of got stuck. I'm like, okay, maybe for some people, maybe for Summer. For Summer, for sure. And yeah. her parents splitting up. Yeah. And Caitlin not leaving. Although Caitlin's life is arguably much better without Marissa. <laughs> yeah, that's that is noteworthy. Um <laughs> but why I, the Cohens were so impacted by that I don't, is unknowable. Because the only reason Marissa got really close Marissa got really close to the Cohens is because of Ryan. So I mean, I guess Jimmy could have been devastated by Marissa's death and Kirsten could have Consoled him, and they could have come together in that way. But then, why is why is and then, Kirsten... and then, then Julie convinced Sandy to? Well, Sandy was hurt by what Kirsten did, and so he decided to direct all of his energy into politics instead of helping poor people. It 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 just it doesn't work. It it they, well, and... they they're they're treating like Marissa is. Like somehow, somehow, Marissa was the one who allowed all this to happen. Not when it was Ryan. It was Ryan. It was it was Ryan. The, Ryan had a dream where he learned how important Marissa was, and it was Ryan. Ryan is the reason that all of these. Ryan is the reason that Seth and Summer got together. And it, it bugs me so much that they had this episode about Ryan learning really that Marissa is some sort of saint. So. Like, Ryan and Sandy have the talk, and cause, then... Cause, sorry, just very because the idea would be that if even if it wasn't, if someone had been there to save Marissa in that alleyway, presumably all of everything would have been fine still. I mean, to be fair, Ryan is the thing that fixed Summer and Seth even in this dream. Yeah. I was just, I was going to say, like, I was going to finish up the thing to explain that the whole point of the dream sequence yeah. is that, you know, he and Sandy have their reckoning and he realizes that Marissa is the reason. Yeah. Because no one could say goodbye. And so he goes to the lifeguard stand and he reads the letter again in his mind. And then in the real world, Sandy and Seth arrive and we finally find out exactly what was in the letter, which is exactly what I thought it was. Which was basically that Marissa was like, hey, Ryan, we have the deepest love the two humans have ever had, but I had to move on. I love you, but we can't be together. So I expect you to get the letter after I'm gone. And I'm like, this... 
is terrible. And we all, like, they already grappled with not being together even, last even, season. Even Marissa was supposed to have gotten over it. Marissa got over it well before she left. Yeah, so the idea that essentially she wrote this letter that, let, let, let's say everything went ideally and Volchuk didn't come along and run, her, run him off the road and she died. She would have sent the letter to him, he would have gotten the letter, and then he would have run off on a boat to find her. No, the only reason that he thinks that she means anything is because she's... Okay, I don't mean it like that. But the only reason that he has backtracked like mm. this is because she's dead. Well, if he had gotten the letter after she left, he would have been like, yeah, I told <laughs> you to leave. I, ag- I encouraged this. I agree that in the way that they had set up before, but the way that this season is going. Remember how we, how we said that like, really they're backtracking on Ryan and Marissa were soulmates? I mean, yes, but she did die. Yeah, she did die. And so... so to be fair, like Ryan thinking, oh my God, we were soulmates after she dies, does make sense because she's dead. The show giving credence to it is a different thing. Yeah, that's why I don't like the letter. I think it's a very... And he already said goodbye to her. Like, we already <laughs> dealt with that. Yeah. That was like four episodes there's, ago. There, there's a lot of layers to this, the way that, like, it doesn't work as a show thing. It doesn't work as an in-world thing. It's... There's some cool stuff, but it's like they came up with the idea for it, and they couldn't prolong the storyline. I, I do to like. This point. I do like. I do want to put a little focus on the thing you said because I actually the more thing that I think it's very funny. The idea that Marissa sends this letter like "I love you, but we have to go away." Ryan reads it and like she's surviving. Goes, yeah, I know. That's what. Didn't we talk about we, this, Marissa? We already had this talk. Thank you. Thank you for sending me this letter from before you left. You. He's, like, already dating Taylor somehow. He's at, yeah, he's at Berkeley dating Taylor. <laughs> and I was like, what? What is happening? What is happening? Then he calls Marissa. Marissa! Why did you send me that letter? What? And she's like, look, Ryan, I know we dealt with that, like, all of senior year, but I was just feeling, like, kind of melancholy about I just, graduating. I just watch... I like to I like to imagine that, that for the rest of his life, he'll just get occasional letters from Marissa that are just like, Ryan, I want you to know... I will always love you, but that's why I have to take this trip to Tahiti. I'm like I, he's like, I haven't seen you in. He like gets on like the day of his wedding. <laughs> Ron, I want you to know, I will always love you, but th- but this is this is why I have to go see Avengers Endgame by myself. And he's like, this is the day of my wedding. <laughs> what? You RSVP'd. You asked for the steak. <laughs> That's the expensive meal, Marissa. Marissa, you're here. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> like, I went to an earlier showing. I was. <laughs> I, I couldn't take the movie, the letter back. I had already mailed it. I was hoping you'd open it after the wedding. <laughs> Happy day. <laughs> All right. Uh, Ryan, after Wait. reading that letter, that allows him to, because it turns out not fixing everything is what's making him wake up. Uh, he, he just had to move on. Which he... I felt like we ha- he had done before that letter re-arrived. Which is the problem with sending letters to exes. <laughs> and this is what I mean about this being a self-contained episode. It set up its own problem that had been resolved and then resolved at the end. And we're all like, yay. So in next episode, he and Taylor will be together figuring out how to be a couple. Just like we thought they were going to be at the end of last episode. Yay. And then they spend Christmaka in the hospital.
Aaron? Yes, Kevin? I don't know how we're going to do this. This episode is a CW moment. Yeah. I'm going to ask it, and let's just see what happens. So, Aaron? Yes, Kevin? Did you find a CW moment in a dream episode? Did I find a CW moment? Did I find a moment where Logic followed their boyfriend <laughs> up a ladder and then the fell and then this? I pick Caitlin's life being better in the dream. <laughs> <laughs> now, presumably, if we take the rule of, or my 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 brain theory, uh, that they're in different sequences, it means that Ryan, with his a little interaction with Caitlin, does believe that Caitlin... <laughs> Caitlin is a genius. Ryan believes Caitlin's a genius. Caitlin is a genius. He's correct. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Kevin, did you find a CW moment? I, I, I want to clarify to everyone. I do not think Caitlin is an idiot. I don't think she's below average. I, th- I just don't think she is a 15-year-old in a freshman year at Berkeley genius. I do. Okay. If only she had gone to Harbor and not that overpriced board. She would have gone to Harbor then. She would have gone to Harbor. I thought she's going isn't she in her freshman year at Harbor? Freshman year at Berkeley. No, no, no. In in the real world, isn't she in her freshman year at Harbor? No, sophomore. sophomore. Okay. So she went to one year at another at the the Well, hmm? I think the private school's all ages, like K to yeah. 12. I, she I, I, went there when she was, like, in grade six. I assume that whatever, like, got her to this genius level was she went to just a real good, like, what would, what would, that, what would that be? Is Harbor a high school or is Harbor also a K-12? to Like, are there younger kids there? Oh, God, I don't want to think about this much. Just ask me the question again. <laughs> hey, Kevin, I know how I feel. Do you have a CW moment? It's that nurse. It's that weird nurse. Oh, I who, was going to pick that. <laughs> I was going to pick the same thing because that's the only thing I could see because I couldn't pick anything in the dream world. Just you nope. couldn't really. I mean, you could make you could make calls for because it's their thoughts and, and things like that. we've already tried to explain a lot of things in the dream world. Yeah. It's got to be that weirdo nurse who says the most, un- the most un-medical thing ever is being like, if they're in a coma, it's because they're just going through something and they got to figure it out. It, she, I mean, she's right in this, but, but this... But can never say that in real life. <laughs> can you imagine a nurse going up to someone who, to someone who's like, you know, loved one is in a coma and just being like, they're just not ready to wake up yet. Oh, you'd punch her. She'd be punched. <laughs> they're probably... And you'd be right to punch they're her. They're probably going through something. Maybe something that you've done. <laughs> punched. Maybe murdered. And you know what? I think the person would be not convicted for that I'll give murder. a manslaughter for that. Yeah. It is such a horrible thing for for a, any healthcare practitioner to be like it's they're they're in the they're they're in this like medical condition because of them because of some external like some magical forces they they're not ready to wake up yet. Just insane. It's it is along the line of if you just pray, your cancer will go away. If they just if they just believe harder, they wouldn't have cancer. They just didn't have <laughs> emotional problems. They wouldn't be in a coma. Just this nurse, this nurse being like, once they get through it, they'll wake up from their coma. Anyway, I go to the pediatrics wing and talk to a bunch of leukemia children and say that they just don't believe hard enough. Terrible nurse away. Yeah. So if you agree with us that that nurse is terrible, please give us some ratings, reviews, and subscriptions on Apple Podcasts or your podcaster of choice. And please scream at the heavens with us. <laughs> we are Podcast MOA, Podcast MOA on Instagram, on Twitter, and at gmail.com. 
Yeah, we got more OC. We're going to see if this episode can truly be stricken from the record. And when we come back, we'll we'll see you next week. Can Chester ever stop finding thongs in his teeth? Who is using that gym in the pool house? Is it time for Julie and Daryl to get together? For answers to all this and more, join us next week on Mystery Outsiders and Abs. A teen drama dream sequence. And just very quickly, we are in agreement. It was... Not an alternate universe, right? No, it was a dream. It was a dream. There's no way that's... Was it a shared dream? Yeah, I think they both had a little bit of control over it. I think in-universe, we might have to assume that that in-universe, in the OC, they had a shared dream. I also think that when the focus was on Taylor, Ryan ceased to exist. That's possible. Yeah. Shared dreams. Canon in the OC. It's a new thing we're learning here in season four.